Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest. I have Mrs. Jody Claristenfeld, who is the founder of Flourish. She is a mom to an adorable little girl who was born at just 28 weeks due to a rare and life-threatening form of preeclampsia and HELP syndrome. After her daughter's early birth, Jody quickly discovered preemie moms and dads aren't always given the support that they need. As a result, she created Flourish, a platform that offers NICU parent education, empowerment, support, and resources to help families navigate this beautiful and challenging journey. Jody and her husband, Jody, her husband, and her family live in New York City. Jody, how are you today? I am doing well, Nicole. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Okay, let's jump into my icebreaker round. What is your favorite book or podcast or something that you would like to recommend? Right now, I'm actually reading a book about the Vanderbilt family. And Mm. it's something so interesting, something I never would have thought to read myself, but it gives the whole history of, you know, through Anderson Cooper's eyes, his mom's background and all their money and their family relationships and how he seeks to change that with his sons as now that he is a father. It's really interesting. Very cool. And how has motherhood transformed you? Motherhood has changed my everything. I think it's transformative for every single person uh, when you become a parent in general. But the way Jenna came into the life into this world, sorry, Um, you know, couldn't help but completely change who I am as a person and help me do a reset as to what is important in life, what really matters, and how I'd like to spend my time and how I'd like to give back. I love that. And who and what has been a part of your motherhood village? You certainly have been a part of my motherhood village. You have connected me to some amazing, strong women, and you too are one of those as well. Um, My mom is my best friend, and I look to her. And also just some of my really close friends and business associates who I've met along this journey of creating Flourish. I love that. Okay, so let's jump in. Um, You created Flourish to support parents of preemies, but I want to start just slightly back because in reading the bio, um, you said that it was a rare form of preeclampsia, rare life-threatening, and the HELP syndrome. Why don't you kind of talk about that if you wouldn't mind, like, I guess your journey with it and then how that led you to create Flourish and why did you feel it was so important to create a business from this? Well, I actually didn't know that I had either preeclampsia or HELP syndrome until after I gave birth. I had the easiest 28 weeks of pregnancy. I didn't really gain a lot of weight. I didn't have morning sickness, like none of the typical maladies. And then after I hit the 28-week mark, those next four days, I was really, really sick. 
but I didn't know. Mm. It was only after having given birth did I find out that, you know, my blood pressure was dangerously high. It was 190 over 160, which is like stroke level. Um, And HELP syndrome stands for, it's an acronym, but basically my liver was shutting down. My enzymes were shutting down. I had protein in my urine. Um, I was seeing double uh, there was a whole host of things. And fortunately, someone was looking over me, someone was looking over Jenna, and that my OB was a rock star. And he's like, okay, we're going to go to the hospital and we're going to get this baby out and everything's going to be great. And I said, um, okay. what are you talking about? <laughs> She's not due for a while. And he's like, well, we're going to go. We're just going to check it out. And I was so out of it that I didn't even fully understand. Sure. Literally an hour and a half later, she was born. Wow. And let me ask, and you said like you had a, 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 by all means, I guess, a normal, healthy pregnancy. You're going about your, you know, you're like, I'm having this baby. This is awesome. Were there any signs? Were there anything that you could have predicted that maybe was there something that could have checked that you maybe that I guess in in talking to other women who have just dealt with other health issues that maybe came randomly, is there something maybe you can recommend for women to check when they're pregnant, right? To say like, to look for this, like, talk to me about that. What was missing or did it literally come from left field? It literally came from left field, but I would say to any person who is pregnant that, so for my first seven months, I had only gained about six and a half, seven pounds in those last four days, I gained about 25 pounds. That was all water weight. I didn't realize that I had assumed that, oh, I hit the 28 week mark. It's the third trimester. Here we go. You know, because I really wasn't showing all that much. So I would say to anyone, if you have a rapid increase in, you know, water weight or getting bloated, absolutely go check that out. Secondly, another thing that I didn't realize was all of a sudden I got a bloody nose that wouldn't stop. I thought, well, it was January, it's winter. You know, when you're pregnant, your blood vessels stretch Mm -hmm. and going from heated buildings to then cold, sometimes you can get bloody noses. But that was a sign that there was an issue with my platelets and my blood cell count. Again, in hindsight, I would tell anyone if you start bleeding or you notice that there's blood and you can't stop it, go to your doctor right away. And one other thing that uh, actually two other things, my urine, not to get graphic, turned like a really Mm -hmm. dark yellow, almost orange, Mm. kind of almost, you know, sometimes when you're dehydrated, um, it turns really, really dark, but this was kind of like that, but, um, a little orangish tinge. And that came on around when I started to see double. And when that came, when that happened, I was like, okay, I've got to call the doctor. There is something wrong. Gotcha. So basically you're saying if there's any anything that seems that you're like, well, this might be normal, it's just go to the doctor just to be safe anyway. Um, and is it is something like the HELP syndrome or even preeclampsia, is it like a gestational diabetes? Like you just don't know, like it could just occur, it can happen. It's something that happens that maybe during pregnancy, which I think is just wild. Um, 
And I would love to know if there's like research of like, if is there something really that comes on or is it like a random thing? But is it something like a gestational diabetes that just kind of occurs? Well, so there are some, um, I'll say warning signs or risk factors, right? Of all the risk factors, the only box I checked was my age. Other than that, I always had low blood pressure. I was healthy, I'm not a smoker, um, you know, but my age, anyone over 35 is at high risk. And, wow. to, and to combat that, I was taking throughout my whole pregnancy, baby aspirin. You know, you hear that people take that a lot of times when they're older to help, you know, say thin the blood and ease the blood flow. Sure. And that was also supposed to help me um, with blood pressure as well. But most women, and I was over 40, I was 41. Um, I know over 40 definitely take baby aspirin when they're pregnant. I can't say about um, women who are 35. I think it depends upon your family history and, and other things like that. But similarly to gestational diabetes, the way to stop the high blood pressure and the HELP syndrome is to take the baby. And then once the baby is taken, they gave me magnesium to then help lower the blood pressure and other medications. Um, And my blood was so out of whack. They were giving me platelets as they were taking Jenna. They didn't know if I would need a hysterectomy. Fortunately, I did not. Um, And I was able to have just a regular C-section. But, you know, it similarly to gestational diabetes, it could just come on from from nowhere without any rhyme or reason. And they don't really know what causes it other than those other risk factors. And like you said, you didn't even check those boxes. Um, Okay, so fast forward. And your daughter is how old now? She's four. Well, and I'm sure, you know, it's, it, I always say this on my show and I say this when I talk to people, it's like if there's something that has occurred and it's like now we fast forward and you think, oh, we're here. But it's like so much, I'm sure, of your journey during that part. So talk to me now about the creation of Flourish. What is your mission behind it? And why did you feel it was so imperative for you to start this as a business because a business is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) I think you and I, you know, understand that as two entrepreneurs and um, we're both very mission-based, right? And I I know that's, you know, you're mission-based and we're going to talk about what that is, but yeah, talk to me why you thought to turn this into a business and why you felt so compelled to want to support parents of, um, of preemies that went through what you went through. Over 360,000 babies each year in this country are born premature. And by that, I mean anything that's 37 weeks and prior mm-hmm. to the general 40-week um, course, right, of pregnancy. Sure. So that's a lot of babies. And presumably, most of those babies have one parent or two parents in their family. Mm-hmm. And quite often of those births, they're unprepared, they're unprepared and they come on all of a sudden. And I would say, even if you are prepared, right, you're pregnant with twins and someone tells you, you're never, yeah, you're not going to go full term. There's a chance that at 35 weeks, we're going to induce you. We're going to take both babies and 
right? So even I think if you are somewhat mentally prepared, you're not really fully prepared for seeing your child hooked up to machines in an oh isolation. Yeah. And you're also not prepared for when they take the baby from you, they don't put the baby on your chest and you don't have a picture Kodak moment. You don't have any of those moments. They literally whisk the baby away from you and take them to the NICU because getting them life-saving help is what's most important. For sure. But at the time your, your emotions are running. You're, you're completely like, what is going on? And and for me, I was in a complete emergency. I was knocked out and I didn't meet my daughter for a few days. Oh my God. um, And and I was, like I said, I was so sick. I was hallucinating from um, the medicine. But what happens is there's a whole mental component to what has just happened and processing the trauma. When we think of typical childbirth, we think of, okay, I'm going to go into the hospital and have the baby. And a few Mm -hmm. days later, regardless whether natural childbirth, a little longer for C-section, I'm going to come home and everything's going to be great. No one really pictures having to go home without your child. And there is no pamphlet for that. There is no real book or some guidance that is dedicated to that. There are doctors and nurses who are the most amazing people in the NICU who help parents, but by and large, their job is to help the babies. And the parents are often left to themselves to figure out how to navigate their own emotions and what has just happened. It's very isolating. You feel very alone. And for me, I felt that I had no one I could talk to. I kind of needed a friend that understood what I was going through without me sharing every single detail, but someone who just got it, right? That whatever that it is. And I figured in our NICU journey, my husband and I can't be the only people feeling this way. We met other families in the NICU and some that we're still friends with, and we all felt the same way. And at the same time, we didn't want to Google too much information for fear yes. of, of what can happen. You know, you send yourself down a rabbit hole and a tailspin when you, when you Google some things. I'll be the first to tell you I did, and it was awful. So... Parents are left to kind of figure out sink or swim on their own. And I felt like I was treading water in that fight or flight mode for the first two and a half years of my daughter's life. Just trying to stay with my head above water and be like, okay, what's coming next? What's coming next? How could I get out ahead of this? How can I help her? How can I best support her? But all the while, I also wasn't taking care of myself. Sure. And so somehow I knew that I wanted to create something for the parents, because once you take care of yourself, you can also better provide for those around you. And my impetus in, in creating Flourish is to make 
parents' journeys less lonely, less difficult, and less challenging than mine and my husband's. I love that. And basically just providing that support of saying, like, I went through the process with you because I would imagine there's, I mean, I know that there's organizations to your point that do help. Um, and like you said, it's more of like the hospital base and the doctors. I actually spoke with a neonatologist on my podcast, Susan Landers, who I know I connected you with. Um, and we had a whole conversation about that looking from her side because she was a mom and I was so fascinated like how are you giving your all to these parents but then you're also a mom like it's such a juxtaposition right of of how it works and um so yeah so so to your point and I'm sure she was lovely with her patients but like you said it's mainly the survival of the baby and it's all scientific and it's like this is what we need to do this is what you need to do it's very process driven where it's like emotionally you're spent you, are you grieving you know you're in a grieving process you're in a also a happy process and thankful I would imagine of some gratitude because the baby is here but not like so many and maybe even I would imagine I had um, one of my best friends and, you know, it wasn't until I became a mom of understanding like, wow, what she must've went through because I wasn't, I never, I didn't have kids at the moment. So I could say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, but I didn't know the impact of what she went through, you know? Um, so even and that, and is, I'm sure, I'm sure go ahead. I was going to say, and the truth is, you know, Dr. Landers is amazing person. She has a unique perspective because she is a NICU mom and she's a doctor. So yes, she's more, even more unique, right? Because she could have that yeah. compassion and, and, and empathy. But a neonatologist, by description, the patient is the baby, not the parents. Not the parent. Yeah, that's a very good point. And that's a very good distinction because it's true. And, you know, no offense, but it's like, no, we're here to, to help that child. Um, so, yeah, so you have all these feelings um, and, and emotions. And gosh, I can only imagine or maybe can't even fathom what that must, what that must have been like for you. Um, so you create Flourish. How do you see moms? And we're going to go into like some of the services and stuff that you provide and how people can connect with you. But how do you really see Flourish helping families, moms all over the country? And I guess that's a good question. Is it just moms? Is it families in general? Because I would imagine the dads, I mean, there's, they're also kind of like, what do I do? Do I help the mom? Do I support the baby? Like, you know, what kind of loss in that sense as well? Um, so yeah, how do you see Flourish kind of helping, um, I guess, families across the country and then jump into exactly what you do to support these families? Flourish is for everyone. It's for moms, dads. It's even for grandparents, caregivers, mm. um, because of the resources and the stories and the one-on-one -on -one coaching is something that could benefit everyone. Yeah. And first, let me just talk about dads. Dads don't often get enough credit because not only are they supporting the mother, the baby, they're also supporting the mother. Mm -hmm. A lot of times dads suffer PTSD much more so than mothers do from their NICU experience mm -hmm. as a result of not getting out any of their emotion because they do not want to pile on, so to speak, to the mom who has just gone through a traumatic birth, sure. is hormonally all over the place. Then emotionally and mentally, to your point, on a roller coaster, you're elated, you gave birth, but you're so scared what's happening. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. or you see progress in your child, but it's what could be two steps forward, one step back. You know, there were times I would have Jenna on my chest in kangaroo care and they, the doctors and nurses would come over and start whacking her on the back because she was having an apnea episode and she wasn't breathing. You know, they take the baby and they start. So, and then you're terrified, right? Just as you were sitting there minding your, like your own business. Snuggling. Sure. So, so dads don't get enough. I'll say generally don't get enough credit because they're also supporting the moms. And, but you know, flourish is there, is there for everyone. And I think our offerings are unique because instead of actually doing a video or a podcast, so to speak, when I was in the thick of it and my husband was in the thick of it, our mental capacity was less than zero. I Mm -hmm. tell people I couldn't even read people magazine right now. We're not talking about something that's of Sure. Yeah. So I created these audio stories and they're stories of myself and some other NICU moms of challenges or stories of hope, stories of positivity that I picture people listening to when they're doing kangaroo skin to skin care with their baby in the NICU. And this is, again, to give those positive feelings and tell parents they are not alone that they will get through this and that unfortunately, as trite as it sounds, your child needs time. And I yeah. feel that come to, to finish growing, so to speak, especially in that time frame of those last pivotal weeks and months. So, and I tell, I tell parents all the time that, you know, you just have to be strong and check all of your emotions at the door when you're in the NICU and be there and radiate that positivity to your child. And I feel that these stories that also radiate positivity can help parents also deal with issues that they're going through while they're with their child. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the basis is understanding, right? I would imagine you just want to know and feel understood to your point. And it's like, okay, you get it. And to hear that, yeah, to just be understood, right? To connect, to to feel that, you know, to feel supported in that way. Um, and I think that's I think that's amazing in, in creating something like this for parents. As a NICU mom, what do you think is missing in society? Um that really can bridge that gap. Obviously, having them connect with something like Flourish, for sure. But even on a deeper, like, did you go back to work? Like, we didn't even talk about employment. Like, you're, you know, like, I guess, talk to me a little, you know, I'm sure your husband, I mean, I know you created Flourish, but did you have a job at the time? Like, you know, and I'm sure you, did you even have the resources to say, thankfully, we were able to take time off? Like, I guess maybe talk a little bit about that before jumping into saying what is needing or what is missing in society um, to for, to further support mothers and fathers, as you said, or caregivers of preemies. I think parental leave in general, you know, across the board needs to be better in this country. But particularly if you have a child that's in the NICU. Because 
your paternity or maternity leave, most people plan to take that after the baby's born and get time to know the baby. Exactly. But when your child is in the NICU, people are- It's survival. It is. It is. It's survival mode. And then some moms go back to work and split their time. Some people- So, I mean, more often than not, actually, moms of NICU babies do not go back to work because their children, if their children are in the NICU for a long period of time, they have to choose. And that's what I mean by parental leave in this country just needs a lot more, you know, remediation when it comes to what our laws are. And... Because most parents, myself included, wanted to take that time after the baby came home so you could play with them and enjoy all of those moments together at home. Go for walks, sing songs, do whatever it is that, that you would like to do with your, with your mom, with your mom, excuse me, with your baby. Um, my husband and I were both very fortunate in that we were able to be in the NICU every day. Now, some people, since um, these births are generally um, emergencies, some people aren't even near their hometown. And they, or they live hours away or in another state. But we were very, very lucky that we were able to both be there every day for Jenna's NICU stay. I myself was in the hospital for 10, 11 days. And then there were a few days because of my blood pressure, I was not allowed outside. So I, because it was January. So it was really, really cold and your heart pumps and works that much harder when it's cold outside. So I wasn't allowed to go and visit her. But generally, I would visit oh and sit with her on my chest about four hours or so a day, and my husband would as well, because doing that kangaroo care skin to skin, that is what most simulates being inside the womb for a NICU child that is obviously in the outside world. Sure. Um, gosh, so many things unpacked. And again, I go back to my best friend because I'm like, I don't know what she went through solo. But then I look at her daughter and she's like so smart. She's like a little genius, like so intelligent, you know, um, and to imagine that, you know, she struggled her first, you know, however long that was days of existence into life. Right. Um, so talk to me about I know we we said the emotions and you know, I know postpartum for me, but again, I mean, I had a very, um, like great birth and all the things, but then the postpartum just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, tell me how, in your aspect of it, how long did it take for you to even make sense of everything that was going on? And to a mother listening to this, that maybe is in the thick of it of that, or is, you know, can possibly be, yeah, I guess in the thick of it, um, or is a preemie mom currently dealing with it? how can a mom reset their mindset or even someone listening who has a friend or family member that's in it that can help with that? How can moms, dads kind of reset their mindset and what are some tips and strategies that you can give to make sure that they are, I guess, taking care of themselves because then to your point so that they can then, you know, be able to 
be there when the little one comes home and what that is like? So I think self-care really looks different for everyone. What works for someone might not work for someone else. It might be as simple as going for a walk or lunch with Mm -hmm. a friend for others. Some people might need help and seek outside counsel, whether it be a therapist or peer support, someone like me. So there's a whole host of, of options out there. The thing is, like everything else in life, there is no timetable. You are on your own timetable and processing those emotions. I have spoken to mothers who were seven years out of their NICU journey and are still dealing with the trauma from their birth story. So I think it depends upon the individual. I would say to moms who are in the thick of it or parents who are in the thick of it right now, you are much stronger than you know, and so is your child. Mm -hmm. They are fighting and you are fighting for their lives. And I would also tell them to give themselves a little grace and some slack. I think we're told that everything is supposed to be perfect once our child comes into the world, because that's what we see on TV or that's what we read on Instagram or social media Mm -hmm. or what's portrayed in the news. But in truth and reality, by and large, that is not what happens. Over 20% of parents don't feel bonded to their baby right away. And then even more so of NICU parents don't feel bonded because you have to ask permission to hold your child. To talk. Yeah. Yeah. What's more is that I'll say for me, with all the the tubes and, and the CPAP sure. and things like that, I was scared that I was going to do something and it was going to get unhooked and then the monitors would go off. So there's that other level of that component. Um, So that's frightening. But I think, I think the thing is mostly that's why I'm saying give yourself a, a break, right? Because you've been through something that's traumatic and you have to allow yourself to process that. And once you can process that, I'm not going to say everything is going to be better in five minutes because that's not true either. But then you can start to heal yourself and work on yourself and reframe what you thought your parenthood journey Mm. was going Mm -hmm. to be. Yeah, I talk a lot about how to master your mindset as as a NICU parent. And the truth is all kids... have different growth trajectories. There's a bell curve. Not everyone can be mm-hmm. in first place. Not everyone can be in the middle. Not, you know, there's some people who are behind. Not everyone gets a trophy. Right? Sure. Not, not everyone can be first in everything. And there are those bell curves for reasons. And just because your child is maybe a little bit behind doesn't mean with in due time to your point about your best friend's daughter, who is brilliant and a rock star, doesn't mean that they can't get there. They just potentially need some extra love and support. Sure. And the sooner we realize that there's nothing wrong with 
getting and wanting for your child extra love and support, the better it is. I think there's so much stigma around that as it relates to milestones and what our children yep. should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And, and the truth is, don't compare. Your child is where your child should be. And at the same time, learn about all the different resources available to you so that when your child does come home, you can start right away getting the support for your child. Yeah, and that was a whole other thing. As you were talking, I was thinking about, oh my goodness, that's just dealing with the hospital, but then you have to come home. And then depending on the situation, um, my sister in, or my niece-in-law, uh, my sister-in-law's daughter, she had um, a set of twins and they were both in the NICU. And I remember watching it on Facebook. They live in Canada and what that process was like. Um, but to your point, they have the parental leave. So she was able to take off and to spend time. Yes. Again, to your point, maybe it wasn't the time that she thought, right, where they should be like doing the bonding and all that. And it was to make sure that the children thrive. But thankfully, she had that time. Um, and you know, I don't think to your point, then, you know, you're dealing with that trauma of the birth and then you're coming home and you're like, okay, now I remember being scared when everybody left. And I'm like, wait, now I have to take care of this little human. To your point, you're taking care of a human that, you know, is maybe a little more fragile, a little more frail of like, what do I do? What do, you know, how do I do this? Um, uh, so talk to me now, if you, looking back, what would you have wanted someone to do and someone to say for you back then? I would have wanted someone just to sit on my shoulder and say, Jody, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's just going to take extra time and mm -hmm. extra resources and yeah. extra energy and extra effort. And that she might catch up in a year, she might catch up in three years or five years, whatever it is, that's okay. Your child will get there eventually. And fortunately, we live in a time of age where there are a plethora of resources mm -hmm. on top of special schools, special instructors, yeah. occupational therapists, physical therapists, feeding and speech therapist that can help you with your child so that you can try and get them up, up to speed. And even if they need extra help in the classroom, that's not to say that they're not going to go on to Harvard and, you know, be a future president of the United Correct. States. Yeah. Every person has the opportunity to be and do what, you know, whatever they want to be. We just have to help set them up for success and whatever each person deems for success. And for me right now, I view it as I just like would like Jenna to love going to school and enjoy learning. And that's what's most important to me, having her in the right environment that's nurturing and caring and supportive sure. and fighting for that is a difficult task, but sure. as I said before, us NICU moms, all moms are very strong, but I think 
you know, I think us NICU moms were kind of relentless in a, in a different kind of way. Sure. Because when your child needs something, you're not going to stop until you get it. And, yeah. you know, to get my daughter into the school where she is right now, I must have called and emailed a gazillion times. <laughs> so um, yeah. on top of all of her reports and evaluations and things like that, that she really needed the help. But, sure. um, you know, that other extra factor, if you will. Sure. And how is Jenna now? Like, how is she doing? How, you know, how, how, how is that? Like, how has her, yeah, how has her, you know, I know coming in of what her journey is, but from now until then, like, or from then until now, how has that been? She's right now, she's doing great. She's amazing. Um, she's beautiful and smart and funny. Um, and, but, you know, I, again, I'm not going to sit there and say it hasn't been challenging. Sure. And we, sure. we still do have challenges. I, I think yeah. COVID set us back a, a little bit insofar as getting help because Zoom therapy for a 13-month-old is yeah. <laughs> not the no. same as no. having someone in person. But sure. that said, you know, my goal was, right, is for her to love school, love learning. And she does. She loves all of that. And, and she's doing great. And for me, you know, I try and keep one step ahead to the, to Mm -hmm. the extent that I can, because right now she, next year she'll be in, in, I guess, quote unquote, pre-K before going into kindergarten. But already I'm thinking about a few months from now when we have to apply for kindergarten for 2024. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think while most parents do think that way, especially living in Manhattan, I'll say that, right? Where do you want to apply yeah. <laughs> and, and, yes. and whatnot? But this adds just another layer because there's a whole other host and round of testing and separate schools excuse me, um, that could provide the support that she needs. So I'm trying to get sure. out ahead of that so that we can apply on the earlier side. But yeah, generally, so, go ahead. generally speaking, she's, she's like, she's a happy kid. She loves Paw Patrol. You know, what could be bad? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, and that's awesome. But I, I think to your point, yeah, I think all moms struggle with that, right? I mean, it's it's our never ending to do list. But I would imagine when you have, you know, a NICU mom or moms of preemies and, and now again of understanding my friends who have experienced that of seeing now maybe Facebook posts, like, does anyone have this? Because we're trying to think ahead of like how many you just got to be a little step ahead to make sure that like you said, that she's growing, that she's thriving, and she's in the best possible environment for her to grow and to thrive and to be nurtured and all of the things. Um, as we kind of wind up here and there, I have a few more questions for you, but what do you want to clear up maybe some misconceptions that people have about NICU parents or the experience of being a NICU parent or babies? Like, do you want to clear up sure. any misconceptions? Yeah. I, I also... I would love to share that while the NICU is 
a scary place and a noisy place filled with bells and whistles and, you know, babies that are fighting constantly with their parents. It is a very special place and it's a very sacred place. You get to bond with your child in a way that you probably never thought of and Mm -hmm. in ways that you never ever would have otherwise. To sit with my daughter on my chest and she was, I'll say naked, but her diaper. And I would wear like a V-neck shirt and she would be literally, I don't know who got more out of those quote unquote cuddle sessions for hours on end of her just resting on my chest. I felt so bonded to her in those moments. And I felt like I was in the right place and she was in the right place. And as an added bonus, my husband got to do it as well, because when do dads participate in anything related to, to, um, you know, the pregnancy journey. But, and I also want moms to know that there are so many ways to bond with your child, even though they are in the NICU. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that because it was a legitimate fear of mine and a fear I know of a bunch of other moms that with so many other doctors and nurses and people holding their child, will their child know that they're their mom Mm -hmm. or their dad? Mm -hmm. How does your child know? And the truth is, like I said, doing that skin to skin, your baby knows your scent and your Mm -hmm. smell and also your voice. Don't forget you and your partner, spouse, or whomever have been talking for all these months while your baby was in your belly. And so your baby, there is recognition there. And so that your child does know that that's you. And that's what makes the NICU so special because you just get to actively participate in so many things that you would not have otherwise. And it also helps reset your priorities in life. Mm -hmm. What really matters or who do you want to spend your time with? You want to spend time with people who add to your life or who radiate positive energy, not Mm -hmm. people who are negative Nellies. And so that you could exude that to your, to your child. So I just want parents out there to know that, like I said, while it is a high stress, intense environment, it's also, it's also pretty, pretty special. And I cried when we left the NICU. I, I, um, I felt those doctors and nurses took care of, of my daughter so well. And that was one of the reasons she was able to come home and be well. Yeah, and that's beautiful. And I love that perspective. And I think everything in life is the perspective of it, right? Um, and to be able to see the beauty in that, because that makes so much sense of how, yeah, you're in this incubator and who get, you know, yes, you're there for this reason. But to your point, the beauty in that and not many people have had that opportunity, right? Um, what can friends and family do? Like I said, someone like me who had no clue, what can friends and family do physically, other, you know, to really show support, to step in and to say, I got you. What, what, what do you recommend to someone listening? 
I would recommend um, to friends and, and family to maybe make some meals for your for parents that are in mm-hmm. the NICU. Something, you know, meal preparation or even having the energy to even want to make eggs, which yeah. is very easy. You, you're all spent by the end of the yeah. day. So I would recommend that. Or I would also say to some some friends, maybe, you know, do you want to go for and watch a movie or mm-hmm. go go to the movie theater even? Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's hard because parents do feel like they should be at the NICU 24-7, but it yeah. goes back to that self-care of you have to also take yourself out of the NICU just the same so that you yeah. can then replenish your own energy and fuel your tank. And I would also just offer positivity and talk about what's going on in your life as opposed to what is happening in in the person whose child is in the NICU's life. Mm-hmm. Because parents, and I'll say myself included, I just didn't want to talk about it. I know what was going on and I was sure. exhausted. And I just, if, if you couldn't fully understand and, and empathize with me, I didn't want your sympathy. So instead, please tell me what's going on in your life that's wonderful at the moment so that we can focus on that. Love it. How are ways that people can connect with you? Um, Website, I mean, obviously this will all go in the show notes, but Instagram, social media, all the things. Um, And then we'll part with some final thoughts to the podcast community. Yes. Well, people can find us online at www.flrrish. It's pronounced flourish, but it's spelled a little bit differently. .com. They can email me hello at flourish.com and Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, everything is all at flourish, F-L-R-R-I-S-H. I love it. And where did the name come from with flourish that way? So whenever I would talk about Jenna and how she was progressing and, or maybe, you know, we had about five doctors, specialists that we had to see after she came home from the NICU, aside from the pediatrician. Sure. When we would, we would check someone off the list on top of being like so proud of her for the hard work she was doing. I would just say, look at how well she's flourishing or when she was, with her therapist and, and she had maybe conquered like a new skill or a new task that they had asked her to do. I'm like, she's flourishing so nicely. And so I would always use that adjective because we're all always flourishing. We're all always growing and we're all always evolving. And so watching her has been nothing short of a privilege. And I just felt that, it was the perfect name for this because that's how I describe her. And at the same time, it's also wonderful because Flourish can grow as she grows and as our community grows and what what the Flourish community needs. I love it. So what are your final thoughts to the podcast community for those listening? For those listening, I, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for having me on Nicole, I really, really appreciate it. 
for those that are struggling, even if you're not a NICU parent or a preemie parent, mm -hmm. just know that there is help out there. Whether it comes in the form of coaching from a peer or for a doctor, or if your child is struggling and you're looking to try and get them help, there are resources out there for you to get help. And you don't have to do it alone because there are many people like you in this world who are going through the exact same thing or a very similar kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think we like to suffer in silence um, yeah. as that, that quote is. And especially as moms, we kind of think that we're considering complaining if we, if we talk about it. And the truth is, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. To me, that's a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. I love it. Thank you so much, Jody, for coming on, for sharing your truth, um, for being so open, for all the work that you're doing for um, the NICU moms and the work that you have with Flourish and continued blessings to you and your family for love and light. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.